Blog Talk Radio. Integrity Bookings, 
com. Go check them out. Really good promotion. What they did uh, for the Monday night was got Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase, and for 50 bucks, which to me was not a lot of money, you got dinner, which was a couple slices of pizza and, and something to drink. Uh, you got to take a picture with DiBiase, and you got an autograph picture. But here's where Integrity Bookings and Bobby Rydell really hit the nail on the head. They made sure, number one, to keep it small. So there's only about 20 people there. It was one long table. Uh, it was actually a long table, three small tables put together into one long table. So it was basically you had the pizza party. Ted DiBiase was there. You got your picture with, and he had the million-dollar belt, which was awesome to take a picture with the million-dollar belt. Autograph picture. But the cool thing, the really cool thing, was keeping it small, Ted DiBiase stayed with us the entire night, the entire three hours of Monday Night Raw. So it was cool just to meet new wrestling fans and to be out there. We met a lot of cool people talking wrestling, watching Monday Night Raw, and that was neat in and of itself. But that Integrity Bookings kept DiBiase there and planned this night out so we had three hours to hang out. And Bobby Rydell planned it so DiBiase sat at one table for each hour of Raw. So we got uh, the Million Dollar Man for the final hour of Raw, and he just sat and talked with us. He gave us stories about, about Virgil, the Ultimate Warrior, how his character came about, uh, where his laugh came from, how that was added to his promos, uh, gave us thoughts on the, the current product, thoughts on his son and, and where they're perhaps going with uh, Ted DiBiase Jr., and just sat and talked with us. And to me, like, that right there, I mean, $50 was cheap. Uh, it was just, uh, it was a tremendous night to be a wrestling fan, to, to be able to pick the brain of, of a legend. I asked him advice on commentating, and he, and he sat and talked with me for a bit on commentating. So it was just a really, really cool event. And uh, don't have enough positive things to really say about Integrity Bookings. So, uh, you know, if you're in the market to, to book a wrestler, you want some information, by all means, go and check out the website, IntegrityBookings.com. And if they plan another night like this with a legend, I'll be sure to uh, publicize it here. But they did a really, really nice job, and kudos to them. So that was – I kicked off my vacation with that. So it was just a, a really great way to kind of hang out. And DiBiase was awesome, just a, a real nice guy and was was very cordial in uh, fielding all questions. In fact, the cool thing, Dave, you remember, I'm sure, being the, the wrestling historian that you are, you remember when he used to do those things where he'd bring kids up and promise them money, and the famous one was when he asked the kid if he could dribble the, the basketball 15 times and then kick it Oh, yeah, it out. I remember those. What was that? Yeah. No, I do remember those, yeah. I, I remember those very, very, very fondly, as a matter of fact. He actually ran, he was renting a car, and he said for years that at some point he was going to run into that kid, and he's going to be 6'6". And sure enough, he was. He actually went went hard an airport, and the, this guy behind the counter who was like six six says, "Do you recognize me?" And DiBiase's like, "Should I?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm the I'm the kid you kicked the ball out from under when I was when I had to dribble it fifteen times." And uh, he actually went to college on a full basketball scholarship and uh, wound up getting drafted by the Lakers. Just wound up not making the team, but. Uh, and he had a picture on his cell phone with this guy. And, uh, yeah, it was like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. So uh, it was fun just hanging out and uh, sharing stories. 
and talking with them. So it's a cool thing. So check out integritybookings.com. Really good stuff. And uh, hopefully they'll have another event like that soon and we can bring the info for you. But, uh, yeah, a couple weeks now, I feel like uh, kind of out of the loop. Haven't talked uh, wrestling in a while. And uh, lots of things going on. Lots of news uh, circulating. One thing that uh, popped up today, uh, Ricardo Rodriguez suspended for 30 days violation of the wellness policy uh really guy who is you know not an integral part of the storyline but a big part of the storyline uh involving the world heavyweight title and now uh we have del rio's personal ring announcer dave gone for 30 days yeah that's uh that's interesting i was uh i was a little bit surprised considering um you know, when you hear of most wellness violations, it's due to, uh, you know, performance-enhancing drugs or, you know, something along those lines from the actual in-ring, you know, performers, the wrestlers themselves. Um, Ricardo Rodriguez, with all due respect, does not have the, the body of a, of, a, of a Greek god, so I can't imagine what he was suspended for, although the only thing I could think of um, is maybe he got busted for, well, then again, if I remember correctly, you know what? I was just going to say maybe he got busted for marijuana, but that's that's a fine. That's not a suspension by the wellness policy. Because if you remember, Jack Swagger was busted for marijuana with the DUI case a few months back in early in the early springtime. That's only a fine um, by by the WWE's wellness policy. You can look that up on their corporate website. Um, so I can't imagine what he was suspended for for 30 days. Um, you know. But it, it, I think it, um, you know, it takes a little bit away from the storyline with um, with Del Rio um, now that you know Ricardo is is out. I'm assuming he would have had some sort of involvement in the match at the Money in the Bank pay per view in a couple of weeks. But um, you know, the WWE will probably you know come up with some different alternative to uh, to to you know to plan out the finish for that particular match uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. But, you know, he's an entertaining aspect to that Del Rio character. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise because a lot of, you know, Ricardo is more over than Del Rio, in my opinion. You know, he gets a lot of positive um, reactions from the audience. And even in the past few weeks, he still had gotten, he's still kind of been on the fence 50-50 in terms of, you know, reactions by the audience. Um, so maybe this will help Del Rio really cement and firm his, you know, firmly cement his status as a heel. Um, and maybe they'll play this up, you know, that Ricardo wasn't, you know, maybe Del Rio loses the title at Money in the Bank to Ziggler. And Del Rio, you know, when Ricardo comes back, you weren't there for me, where were you kind of thing. And maybe he'll dump Ricardo and we'll see Del Rio on his own and maybe Ricardo will do something else. I, I don't think they should break up the act because I think it works very well, but maybe we'll see something like that. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I was quite surprised this morning when I read that, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting dynamic, and it's funny, getting back to the DiBiase thing, we asked him about uh, Del Rio, and essentially we're like, Del Rio's kind of a Latino million-dollar man, and DiBiase said, uh, often imitated, never duplicated, and he stopped at that. But it's interesting, because you do have uh, Ricardo is kind of a a Virgil type. Um, you know, do you do something like that going forward? Do you have something where, you know, when Ricardo comes back, uh, Del Rio is upset with him for deserting him, and then you have kind of a, a split there or a momentary split, or at least something where you have uh, Del Rio be uh, more abusive to uh, to uh, Rodriguez uh, going forward, facilitating the, the heel character. I mean, they kind of, they help, you know, Rodriguez helped 
the Del Rio turning face a lot by being this sympathetic figure and kind of playing up this, uh, you know, best friends kind of vibe between Rodriguez and Del Rio. But uh, do we have something like that change where there's there's more friction behind between them uh, going forward? Who knows? I mean, you do got to figure that Rodriguez probably would have had a hand somewhat, uh, something to do with uh, their match coming up, uh, some sort of interference. Uh, so you wonder, do, do they change the finish? Obviously, if he was involved in the finish, they had to change that. Uh, do they completely, you know, was Del Rio meant to retain? Do they, they have Ziggler go over uh, that quickly and win his belt back? Uh, it does add a lot of intrigue as far as what direction they're going to go into uh, moving forward with this storyline. So that's a big deal right now as far as Ricardo Rodriguez and uh, what they're going to do with him upon his return and what they're going to do with that World Heavyweight Championship uh, match. And if you want to talk about that, you got any speculation, Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. But I guess, you know, again, and we're getting off TV and outside the ring, the biggest news that rocked, uh, the wrestling universe, or at least the internet universe, and articles being posted everywhere, and people speculating, and uh, fantasy matchups being made up, and everyone's putting on their fantasy booker caps. But we're hearing these rumblings again, and we've heard them. We heard them a couple of years ago, and there's been a history of, of uh, you know, this individual toying with crossing over. But uh, rumors circulating that Sting, the one and only Sting may have some interest in crossing over and coming over to the WWE for uh, maybe one last run in his career. Uh, interesting hearing that speculation, Dave, especially considering that his contract would be up in, in January, but uh, this, these rumors could swirl for the, the rest of the year uh, if those rumors are circulating right now, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, like you said a couple of years ago, it's been publicly stated by Sting himself, but he was very close to signing a deal with the WWE in uh, the spring of 2011, possibly to make an appearance at WrestleMania 27 in Atlanta. Um, you know, fortunately for TNA, they got to keep him, and he stuck around for a few more years. Um, but recently, in a couple of recent interviews uh, leading towards Slammiversary, that talk was brought up again in interviews with Sting, and Sting had publicly stated that, you know, he would not rule out uh, working for the WWE, having a run there. He's always wanted to work at a WrestleMania. That's probably every wrestler's dream is what he had, you know, made mention in the in the interview to work at WrestleMania. Um, he talked about, you know, possibly wanting to work with Undertaker. That's the big, you know, that's the first thing that comes to mind when there's talk about Sting going to the WWE, Sting, Undertaker, WrestleMania. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, January's contract apparently runs out. He admitted in, the, in this recent interview that his contract runs out in January, um, and he's not ruling out the option of going to the WWE. But, of course, you know, he's got loyalties to TNA, too. So it looks like there might be a bidding war. In uh, early 2014, between the two sides, uh, between TNA and the WWE, for um, Sting's uh, you know services, but who knows? Maybe Sting will re-sign a contract, um, you know, in the coming weeks or months with the with, with TNA. Who knows? But there's there's rumors that you know he hasn't directly gone to them, but he has sent out feelers that he's interested. And uh, it's no coincidence that, you know, in those video packages that they had shown last night regarding, you know, great former world champions, 
he was highlighted. So um, it's uh, you know who, who knows what's going to happen. I mean, there's it's it's a very intriguing possibility. Um, Sting is probably one of the only handful of wrestlers um, that during the heyday between the WCW and the WWF at the time, um, where he didn't cross over. He stayed loyal to them. Uh, you know, I, another name I can think of is Shawn Michaels. Um, he was a WWF guy from the very beginning, and he never went over to WCW. So, uh, you know, the, the the possibilities are endless as to what they could do with Sting if he were to join the WWE. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because, I mean, the the Taker thing, and that game that's being thrown around, and people want to see it, and a few years back, I mean, it got so close, I guess. I mean, the the journal, the journal, the Daily News reported that Sting had signed with the WWE, so it was close. And you know, the especially when uh, Sting was going with his Crow character and uh, mysterious, silent type, that it definitely, you know, sets up well for a rivalry with the Undertaker. But I mean, let, let's start being realistic with this this whole Sting thing. If if he signs, first. The, you know, I still wonder if this is a ploy. I mean, like you're saying, every wrestler wants to wrestle in WrestleMania. But it's a ploy just to kind of try and get as much money as he can out of TNA and stay there. Because the interesting thing was a few years back when he did an interview and he had stated that, you know, Booker T came into the WWE and the Walt said, who in the blue hell are you? And... At, in that single moment, The Rock, this is according to Sting, in that single moment, The Rock discredited everything Booker T had done in his career up until that point. And Sting felt like he wasn't going to go over and and risk that. Now it's a different time. It's a, You don't have the rivalries in place. There's not that bad blood. I mean, I think Sting would probably be welcomed with open arms by most of the roster. The thing with The Undertaker, and perhaps looking him at a WrestleMania, and I don't know about you, but that match holds no suspense for me. I mean, every time, you know, the past few years, there's at least, you know, I mean, for the most part, I'm a guy that's like the streak stays intact. So if I'm going to bet my money, I'm all, I've been betting on, you know, streak staying intact each and every year. However, there's always been a shred, a, a hint of suspense that maybe, maybe is this the year that, if the streak gets broken, could it be? Could it be CM Punk, the new guy? Is it the passing of the torch? It's just that sliver. Maybe the streak could end. Man, there's absolutely, positively no. I even think about doing this show, and if we're doing our pre-WrestleMania show, you know, the, the lead-in's going to be great. But I don't even know how much we'd wind up talking about the match, because I think there's zilch suspense in there that... An entity that Vince McMahon had nothing to do with creating is going to come over and beat the streak. There's just zero chance for it. So I'm not interested in an Undertaker Sting match. As much as the build would be a lot of fun, and I look forward to those confrontations on on Monday Night Raw, uh, that would be interesting. It would be entertaining in the moment. And and the match might be a good match, but there's no suspense as far as the outcome. Which leads you to the question, if you're going to say, if that's been the obvious name that's being thrown around, where do you go with Sting? 
And again, we're talking six months down the road when his contract is is up and perhaps he comes to the WWE. But Sting is a big enough figure in this sport to, to warrant this kind of attention and speculation and curiosity because, you know, it would be very interesting to see this guy come in in a January, have a run in the WWE leading up to WrestleMania. You know, is he a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble? Uh, all these things. But for me, I don't have much of an interest seeing him go after the Undertaker. So the big question is, where would you go with Sting, Dave? Well, I agree with you in the sense that, you know, that, yeah, the buildup towards a match like that with Sting and the Undertaker would be very intriguing, you know, with the, the parallels of their characters. Um, and, hell, you know, the actual physical match itself, yeah, there's, you know, like you said, He's not a Vince McMahon creation. There's no way that Vince would ever take a guy from an outside company and have him end the streak of The Undertaker. Um, but the historical aspect of it, for to have a match at WrestleMania, would definitely be very intriguing for me. Just the historical aspect that it's going to happen. And especially if I were to be there in a I think it would be very intriguing as well. Like, wow, I'm seeing Sting in the ring at a WrestleMania for the first time. This is history right here. After that, there's no intrigue. As far as where you go with Sting, you know, if he were to sign with the WWE six months from now, I mean, like I said, the possibilities are endless. You know, I would pair him up with. Here's something interesting, and this is another. You know, we're, we're putting. The, you know, we're putting the, the. You know, the the eggs. You know, we're, we're in our basket, so to speak. Whatever that phrase is, I'm losing my mind here talking about this. But the, the Wyatt family. What's that? We're putting the cart before the horse. Cart, cart before the horse. Yeah, I, I see. I was thinking of that one too, but I didn't know the whole term. But anyhow, <laughs> thank you. Um, the Wyatt family hasn't even debuted yet, and they're getting a lot of buzz, and they got, like, a dark creepiness to their character. You know, what if you did something with Sting and the Wyatt family? You know, they were some, they're, they're, they they come off like they're some sort of cult. They could try and possess Sting and, and recruit him into the group. Maybe you put the Wyatts, you know, in, involved with Sting, and Sting gets to help put them over. You got the Shield. You know, there's other guys like Kane you could put him in there with. I mean, Kane would be a, a, a you know, Kane is a heel and Sting is a baby face. I think... Kane's done a lot in his career, don't get me wrong, but he's never really had, like, a big, gigantic moment where, like, he has stood out above the rest and there's and he's just, you know, been larger than life. He's always been associated with somebody, and he's had some pivotal moments in his career, but he's never really had, like, a really big moment on, like, a grand stage like a WrestleMania. And if you put him in there with a guy like Sting, I think that would definitely, you know, it would it would skyrocket Kane. You know, not saying he wouldn't be a, a, a Hall of Famer, but it would definitely put him there for good. As I, he's worked Sting at a WrestleMania, they've had some sort of a memorable storyline. You can do lots of things with Sting, you know. Like I said, young guys, the Shield maybe, you know, maybe you have the Shield, you know, Sting make his debut, but the Shield ruins that, you know, it's just, you know, they, they they attack him like, you know, at a Royal Rumble or something like that, you know, there's a lot of things you could do with him, obviously a lot of people are going to go point the direction towards Undertaker, but I'd like, as much as I'd like to see that, and even though there wouldn't be any, you know, intrigue in him ending the streak, because I don't think it would end, um, there's other possibilities that you can run with Sting, you know, you could... 
they, they they might feed him to John Cena. John Cena needs another notch on his belt. It seems like that's what they've been trying to do lately with him, you know. You know, he's beating the rock, he's beating all the greats, you know. One guy he's never wrestled before, Sting. You could build up something with the two of them. I'm not saying it would be for the title or it'd be a, you know, the main event at WrestleMania, but there would be some intrigue in it. I mean Sting is a fresh face who has never, ever, ever, ever appeared on WWE television other than in video packages from other companies. There are a lot of you, – you have a laundry list of things that you could do with Sting if you were to be in the WWE, and it would all be fresh. It would be brand new. It would be intriguing just because it's fresh and brand new, and it, I think it's a major positive for wrestling for in, in general, especially the WWE. You know, it takes – Sting fans who were loyal to him that have watched the NWA and WCW and that watched him when he went over to TNA, you can get some of that fan base brought over to the WWE. And, of course, with his association with the WWE, if he were to sign, there's a surefire guarantee that he's going to go into the Hall of Fame. How could he not, considering all the things that he's accomplished in his career? Um, granted, it would I wouldn't say it would be tainted, but it would be it, – it would – it would be looked at a little bit differently if he went in the Hall of Fame because he already went to the TNA Hall of Fame and he built the majority of his career, if not all of his career, with other organizations. But I think it's a positive if he, if he were to join the, the, the WWE, to be quite honest with you. And it's something special. I mean, we're talking about next year's WrestleMania 30. I mean, you, you figure that they're going to look to do something big, and it's it's interesting as you look at, you know, we're looking really far in the future, but when you start to look at where this company is right now, and, and you know, there have been a lot of hits. There have been some misses. I mean, last night I thought Raw was good. I didn't say it was terrible, but I didn't think it was great. You know, a few weeks ago we had a, an amazing Raw, but when you start to hear, like, these sting rumors, uh, you know, last night you wind up having Swagger and Fandango wind up coming back. Uh, Mark Henry recently makes his return. Christian makes his return. RVD is on the way. Uh, you know, it's and now you got the Wyatt family that everyone's abuzz. I mean, you talk about the Shield and the the internet wrestling community. Uh, you know, the the darlings, uh, the Shield, and you know, fairly quickly, the Wyatt family has moved up, and everyone is just all abuzz about what this Wyatt family will bring to the table. Everyone is loving the vignettes. Uh, I love that they closed Raw with another vignette, making their debut next week. So this roster is getting fatter and fatter. And when you start to think about how this year could evolve and then throwing into the mix that you figure, you know, Taker will be back and you got to figure like Triple H will come back, those part-time guys. Who knows what uh, the Rock situation will be for next year's WrestleMania, Brock Lesnar, you start looking at all these factors coming into play, and then you throw Sting into the mix. This year could be very, very interesting leading into WrestleMania 30 and what that card uh, would it, would have in it. But it just it's it's really setting up to be quite an interesting year going forward. Uh, and obviously it is because I don't you know we've been doing this show a few years. I don't think we've talked WrestleMania this early. Uh, but when you look at how things are starting to evolve and you put kind of Sting as that cherry on top, that guy who's never been in a WWE ring, uh, it could make for a very, very interesting card. And so we're talking about all these faces coming in, old faces making their returns. But like I said, the big one, the big entrance, the, 
the big uh, the big thing that everyone is looking to see, the, the vignettes that have the whole Internet abuzz, the Wyatt family coming in. You know, I would have never thought, looking back to, to NXT and the Nexus, that uh, Bray Wyatt could cut such a promo. But these vignettes have been absolute gold, Dave. Yeah, they they really stirred up um, some talk amongst the wrestling world. Um, it's something different. And I think a lot of people in wrestling like different instead of seeing the same old, you know, carbon copy of, you know, what what a lot of wrestlers used to be, especially, you know, when John Laurinaitis took over the, you know, the, the talent relations department, you know, years back and was in charge of their, their developmental territory. A lot of the guys that came out of developmental were the same looking, you know, bodybuilder physiques, clean cut, you know, all American boy kind of look. If you if you take a look, you know, you got John Cena, Randy Orton, you know, you got guys like Chris Masters, Batista, you know, a lot of these guys have like these, you know, chiseled looks. You know, the Wyatts look nothing like that. They look like they haven't showered in months and they just woke up from like a five day nap, you know, <laughs> one of those things. And they they have a different look about them. It's it's a anything to do with you know, a cult like you know, characteristic always stirs up some controversy, especially in wrestling. Um, last night, I thought it was very interesting how they closed the show with the vin- with the vignette at the end, with the rocking chair and just you know the voices in the background previewing that they're coming. They showed the, that same vignette earlier in the night. You know, I liked the approach that they did at the end of the show. I think it would have had a little bit more impact if they only showed it once instead of twice and just showed it at the end of the show and then everyone's like, Wow, they're they're really they're really they really got some big plans if they're gonna close out Monday Night Raw the the credits with, with this vignette. You know, normally close out Raw it's something that took place in the ring and you know, but that wasn't the case last night. I thought that was pretty cool. Like I said, I think it would have had a little bit more effect if they didn't show it twice and they just showed it once at the end. But there's a lot of there's a lot of things coming down the pike. With Van Dam's return, you got the Wyatts. There's possibility of the Undertaker. We just talked about Sting, but granted, that's six months down the road. If that happens, I mean, there's the sky's the limit as far as I'm concerned. Is the things that they could do with these guys, and then of course the current guys, crop of guys they have on the roster now. I mean, you know, the Shield's been doing some great things since WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan, uh, you know, the the Christ, you know, uh, Mark Henry. I mean, the list goes on and on. I could, I could go on forever. The, the, the good stuff that is taking place um, with this youth movement and even with some of the veteran guys that are, you know, coming and going. So um, I'm, I'm real excited for what the rest of the summer's like and, you know, what what they have in store for, for next year's WrestleMania. I mean, we're, you know, we're putting the, you know, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but, it's still very intriguing and exciting what they could do. And it being the 30th anniversary, they're going to do something big, huge. It's not going to be like the past few years where they've gotten the dream at. There's something big down the pike for the 30th one. I can't imagine it not to be, you know, huge considering it's the, you know, 30 years, WrestleMania, the the, the granddaddy of them all. So I'm real pumped and excited. Yeah, it's just, it's a really good time, you know, and, 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 I mean, I'm just really excited. You know, it's funny because the Wyatts, you know, now they got to deliver. Uh, you have to see, you know, can do these guys deliver in the ring? Do they deliver week in and week out on, on a live broadcast? Um, 
It's fair. I mean, I just love what I'm seeing out of uh, formerly Husky Harris. Uh, you know, it's it's intriguing. Like his his promo style. It's a you know, it's almost a little Dusty Rhodes uh, mixed in uh, mixed in a little a little Paul Bearer and uh, a pinch of Straight Edge Society, CM Punk, kind of all rolled together. I mean, uh, he's, he's the promos have just been uh, tremendous. So it's it's cool now to see whether they can de- deliver on a week in week out basis. I do think what we need to we look on as far as the future, and again, we are getting ahead of ourselves, but. Immediately, we are looking at SummerSlam. We're looking at how the summer will unfold, and things are shaping up for a good SummerSlam. And we've had a few lackluster SummerSlams in recent years. So things are looking good as far as the returns and the new guys coming in as far as what we're going to see at a SummerSlam. And the real immediate reaction, and again, as much as I thought last night was average, um, I didn't think it was terrible, but I didn't think it was great. But I do think with, with what they're doing with the new talent um, maybe not to the prestige of yesteryear, but the U.S. title, the IC title, the tag belts mean a little bit more. Hell, all of a sudden we got we got a diva championship that actually matters. Go figure, and a legit program going on within the divas. What they have finally done is, I think they've kind of, as far as they hit their stride. But they've gotten a lot more comfortable with Raw being three hours, and at least they're they're spacing it out. You're not getting overkill with with too many, you know, one subject kind of things going like stringing them through. Um, you know, you might be critical of one storyline or the other, but I think you're getting a good mix of uh, you know the John Cena's of the world with the the younger Ambrose's of the world. So I mean you're you got a good mix going on. So I think that we've seen at least over the past month, month or two, a significant improvement as far as three hours of quality wrestling entertainment. Your thoughts on that, Dave? Yeah, I mean it's it's a work in progress. We talked about this you know, when the announcement was made last year about Raw going three hours permanently, and it's it's, it's a work in progress. It's, it's going to take time, and it's taken them, to, you know, for, for some wrestling experts out there a lot longer than, you know, it should have. But um, you're right. They seem to have, you know, been more comfortable going, you know, with the three-hour shows, and they they showcase you know, a lot more talent on the three-hour shows than on the two hours, and they space things out, and they, they put things in certain, you know, uh, certain parts of the show that, that, you know, will help them whether it's get a ratings point or get people to change the channel or whatever. But I have noticed a lot lately, um, you know, I don't know if this is something you'd like to comment on, but in the past, I would say, month or so, um, if not maybe longer, maybe two months, um, you know, John Cena is the WWE champion, and a lot of people have, you know, we've defended him on the show a million times, and I'll continue to, to defend him. But a lot of people out there, the marks on the Internet, and, and everyone else have complained, oh, too much John Cena. Well, John Cena, I, on average, in the past month and a half, has only been in one segment on TV, whether it's a talking segment or a match, nothing else. They'll hype him up throughout the show, like coming up later on tonight, Cena, you know, speaks, or Cena versus Del Rio, like they did last night. But you've seen a lot more of Daniel Bryan. You've seen a lot more of The Shield. You've seen a lot more of Randy Orton, Kane, you know, guys that see him punk now in multiple segments. Uh, So, you know, 
for the wrestling fans who still complain about John Cena, you complained before that he's been on TV too much. Now he's only on, like, for one segment um, for the three-hour show. You got your wish. But they they really done a good job of showcasing other talent, and the show hasn't been focused, like you said, on a one-thing subject. There aren't as many recaps. You know, we, we used to be able to count on almost two hands how many times they recapped something that happened two and a half hours before um, throughout the course of a three-hour show. So um, I, I like, I, I'm comfortable with the three hours. I don't feel like lately it's been a drag. Um, I will say, though, last night, the first hour didn't fly by for me. There was a lot that happened in the first hour, and I felt like, wow, that we're still in the first hour? It's 8.56. I'm like, oh, my God, this, 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 and this happened. Like, you know, it, it's. I think they, they might need to slow down just a little bit and, uh, you know, pace, pace some certain things out on the show. Because as a viewer, you know, when you get too much on television, you, you can't remember everything. And, you know, you, you want your viewer to remember everything that happened on that show, especially if it's three hours. Yeah, I mean, I've always said, and, and the problem with, with John Cena, and it, again, everyone, wrestling fans, you know, are, are a unique group. And, and you do have, I mean, there are wrestling fans that regardless are going to be critical. And are always going to hate it. And it's almost like they watch wrestling fans. They're the guys that go to a comedy club not to laugh. There are people who are just going to blindly love it. And whatever it is, they're going to love the pomp and circumstance of the WWE. They're just going to love their stars. And they're just going to be, you know, just marking out to everyone and just loving it. And then there are the people that try and stay in the middle and, and try and evaluate it objectively. And the thing with Cena, I've always thought that, you know, I have a lot of respect for what the guy does, and I think he, he gets a lot of undue criticism. I think where he, where, you know, they missed the boat with him, so to speak, was that there was overkill. So if you kind of didn't like John Cena, they'd cram him down your throat for, you know, the entirety of the Monday Night Raw, and then you develop this, like this deep-rooted hatred towards him. Um, whereas now, I, I just think, number one, you know, even when we go back years ago, you know, Hulk Hogan, when he was the WWF champion, you didn't see him all the time. So it was special when you saw the champ. Now they're kind of pulling back a little bit on John Cena. I'm okay with that. I'm okay at being a special occurrence uh, when you see the WWE champion and, and you're limiting his exposure. And I think that was always part of the problem with John Cena is just overexposure. Not that he sucked, but that he was being overexposed, which was not his fault. It was fault of the WWE creative and how they used him. Uh, you know, you would have John Cena in multiple segments and somewhere in a recap. And, you know, even when Raw was, you know, Raw was two hours, you felt like you got at least an hour of John Cena. Not the case right now. And, and I think people who kind of hate on him, you know, this should be what, what you want. Um, I think it's working right now. I think John Cena is good at what he does. And, uh, you know, limiting his involvement at, at times uh, definitely works. It, it's definitely okay. And I, you know what? And I thought last night's main event, although they, you know, not totally in love with the finish, I didn't think it was a bad match. I thought it was a, a decent match. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how things evolve now, uh, you know, going into his bout with Mark Henry and what they're going to do with Mark Henry. But I think it's been cool. Like this run right now, this program, it's about Mark Henry. And allowing Cena to take that back seat and really seeing what Henry can do uh, with these promos have just been 
tremendous. And it's it's all this story right now is not about uh, the champion trying to hold on to his belt. The, dramatically, this story is about the 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 old veteran who has decided to you know screw all and screw being nice, and I'm just going to take what I believe is owed to me, and I don't care who I screw over to get it, but I'm going to get it. And that's what, you know, Mark Henry is the central figure in this storyline. The champion is not, and they're allowing that aspect of the story to develop. So, again, we've defended Cena, but I'm okay with him kind of having a a lesser role right now on TV because I think it helps as far as, uh, you know, the years that he was overexposed. So, uh, you know, again, I think it's a good thing moving forward, and we'll see if they continue this good trend moving through the year and through the summer. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. You want to talk Rodriguez suspension? You want to talk Cena? You want to talk Mark Henry? You want Whatever you want to talk. We've hit a lot of stuff in these first 40 minutes or so. Wyatt's family debuting next week. So many things going on. We're going to head right out to the phones. We have some people that are being real patient out there. So we're going to jump to Tony, who's on the line. Tony, are you there? Hey, guys. What's going on? What? Hey. All right. So, yeah, so uh, as far as Raw last night, I did think I definitely, I mean, it wasn't a, like a, I, I agree with what you, you know, I agree like, with the overall. It, I thought it was a bit of a step a bit of a step down from the last couple of weeks. It wasn't horrible, but it wasn't as good as the last two weeks were. Um, you know, and, and even like you said, we only the last couple of weeks we've only seen Cena's only been in one segment, and the one from the week before when he put over the, the you know the prestige of the of the, of the title. I I thought that was one of his better promos, like one of the, you know one of his one definitely one of his better promos, and we only saw him against Del Rio last night. I, what I will what I will say is, you know, to get. I promised I wouldn't be the, the uh, negative smart mark. <laughs> but, uh, actually, no, I didn't promise that. I don't know what the fuck. Cena, Del Rio, champion versus champion, non-title. What the hell is that? I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't mean to get all negative here, but, you know, it was, it was just like, they were, you know, I, I would have liked, you know, like, I like seeing the, the um, you know, like the footage of all the uh, former champions and everything, but, I mean, it would have been, It'd be better if they were like if this was like months of build up and they were doing a damn title unification match at WrestleMania instead of just like Vince said in the segment, oh you're throwing it away for free. You know it's like, uh, it's like yeah that's it's like this should be on a pay per view. It shouldn't be shouldn't be on free TV. Yeah, no I think shit. <laughs> yeah, but come on. Oh yeah. man. It was it was kind of weird, and I agree with you. Like that would have been something. I mean, you know, I, I think a lot of wrestling fans and myself included, I, I would love to see. Uh, that title get unified. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, personally, I would love to see, since this era, my my dream would be to see John Cena versus Randy Orton, each one having the, the belt, the unification bout at WrestleMania 30. I don't see that happening, but that's I just I would love to see that just unified. Um, you're right. It just it was kind of it's kind of weird. It was almost like you had to take it as a wrestling fan as a trade off. Like you knew. You're not going to get a true finish in in that match. You knew there was going to be some shenanigans. Uh, I would not be surprised if next week we see a tag match of Del Rio and Mark Henry versus Ziggler and Cena. Um, you know, but uh, it just it's kind of a trade off that I agree with you. But I enjoyed seeing the the retrospectives on the on the different champions, and 
You know, the thing is, and that was one of those instances where I agree with you. I think I don't think it was as good a Raw as it's been the past couple of weeks. But, like, when we talk about the three hours and we talk about, like, time killers, those retrospectives were totally time killers. But they were cool. They worked for me. Like, that was that, – those are time killers that were actually, all right, in a three-hour Raw, if I get to see uh, retrospectives and some former champions, I thought those were cool. So, uh, it was kind of a trade-off. But, yeah, I hear what you're saying. You know, you kind of want – if you're going to have champion versus champion, then then make that really matter. And, uh, you know, it was what it was. It was an excuse to put the retrospectives on. And, uh, you know, we'll see what they do in, in the future. Uh, what else you got for us uh, as far as uh, your thoughts on last night? Well, uh, first of all, I think, I think after showing the Mark Henry uh, video, you know, that, that Mark Henry video, they have to they have to have him beat Cena and Money in the Bank. I mean, you know, it's like they've been making such a big, you know, they've been mentioning that it's the, you know, like, it's being WWE champion, it's the only belt he hasn't won, and he's been cutting these really awesome promos, uh, you know, and, you know, just like pretty much saying, you know, yeah, I'm going to do what's right for me, and I'm going to be, you know, coming home the champion and all that stuff. I mean, you know, they really got to, they got to have to put the belt on him, and, you know, it's, you know, I mean, I, I think the guy's the guy's more than earned it after being there for 17 years. I mean, the guy, I, I think the guy, the guy you know, he definitely deserves the whole belt. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I personally, I, I want to see Mark Henry win it, and not only that, I kind of want to see Mark Henry win in some dominate fashion. I mean, you can give him a short one with the belt. You can you can do whatever. You could have John Cena coming back. You, you know, as we're talking about John Cena. Have a limited role lately. Uh, maybe keep him off a couple of Monday Night Raws as he's nursing his injuries uh, post uh, his encounter with Mark Henry. But uh, I, I think right now, storytelling wise, it, it makes sense for Henry to win and at least have, uh, if not a huge one, at least a short run with the WWE title. Uh, I, I'd like to see it. I, I think it would be uh, something really cool to see what he could do uh, being uh, the WWE champion. What do you think of this match, Dave? I think it's a very intriguing match, um, especially considering you know the, the way it, it developed with the, the retirement hoax. Um, but um, it feels more of like like in past matches, even and I and I'll, I'll openly admit it, even with his match with The Rock at WrestleMania, you know a lot of people didn't like the fact there was going to be a rematch. I was in favor for it because there was you know a good story and that Cena needed his redemption. Um, but it didn't feel as big as the previous year um, because it was, you know, because it was the first time they had done it, you know, at WrestleMania 28. But looking back on it now, um, it didn't, like I said, it didn't feel as big, but this feels like a big match. This is a huge deal. You know, these two really haven't had a marquee match against one another on a pay-per-view, and especially the circumstances behind it with Henry. You know, there had been rumors, you know, last year that he was going to retire, and then they do this retirement hoax. But, you know, with his stuff with Ryback, and a lot of stuff just felt like it was thrown together. You know, like, this feels like... Like there's a, it's a real big deal. Like you said, this isn't about Cena keeping the belt. This is about Henry winning the belt, um, because he, because this has eluded him his entire career is this championship. Um, so it really feels like a big deal. Like we're going to see something big at the Money in the Bank pay per view. Um, I'd like to see him have a run with the belt. If it's a short one, that's fine with me. Um, but at the same time, I would not be surprised if. 
and I'm, I'm not predicting this, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Mark Henry lose to John Cena at Money in the Bank, not because we expect Cena to win all the time, but, you know, Mark Henry put him over in that promo, you know, before he did the, the, the double cross and the turn or whatever, and then Henry were to just walk away. Well, if I can't win this one, then there's no sense in me, you know, there's no sense in me continuing anymore. And maybe maybe this is Mark Henry's swan song. Who knows? Um, but that wouldn't surprise me if he were to come out the next night around and say, I didn't do it, I didn't win, and you know, but I had to know if I could try and, 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 and compete for this title, and I'm now I'm re- officially retiring. It's legit, you know, and then maybe he leaves. But I'm really looking forward to it because, like I said, it seems like a pretty big fight feel to it, a real showdown. The other stuff just seems like it's been thrown together. And, uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be in Philadelphia, too. So you're going to have a lot of pro-Mark Henry, anti-John Cena fans um, in that, in, you know, during that match. So the atmosphere for it in Philadelphia, you know, it's, it's an ECW town. And, you know, those, those fans don't really particularly care for John Cena. I'm not saying that they're very big Mark Henry fans, but anybody against John Cena in a town like that is, you know, is, is a local hero, you know. That he, so it should make for a fun match. The atmosphere should be good. Um, I'm just curious as to what they're going to do, if Cena's going to retain, or if they do pull the trigger and give Henry a, a, a small run with the belt. Um, that's probably the most intriguing match on that card that I'm looking forward to the most. And, you know, a lot of times we go into pay-per-views and we're always looking forward to an undercard match because we can very well predict what the main event match is like. That's probably the first time in a long time I can honestly say that you're really looking forward to the main event, the match that sells tickets, the match that's going to sell the pay-per-view. So I'm I'm very intrigued by what's going to happen, where this is going to go. And speaking of, before I let you go, Tony, I gotta get your take on speaking of guys who uh, were main eventers and uh, interesting. What what are your thoughts on where exactly they're going with Ryback? I I don't know. I still say that ever since they turned them heel for some unknown reason, you know, it's really his momentum is completely gone. I, I mean, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, this whole thing with him and Jericho, and now it's like the whole stupid thing, like the thing with the finish of the match with him and Miz. It was like, oh my no! It was like he was like he was injured, and he 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 waved his own match. It's like, are you kidding me? It's like, I don't think I've ever seen anyone do that. You know, it's like because like, oh yeah, two hurts not the match. Oh, you know, I, I've never seen that happen. You know, and this whole like, Jericho calling cry back. It's just so you know, I I find it to be kind of corny. It's just. It, ugh. You know, I mean, and, and and even that feud just came, kind of came out of nowhere. It was like, you know, right back was in Vicky's office, and Jericho comes in, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we'll put you two in a match at the pay-per-view. Huh? You yeah, know, it, 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 you're right. I mean, I, I, it's, I, I just wanted to get your take on it because uh, it's definitely a head scratcher right now. Exactly uh, where they're going with him, and uh, I'm just curious, like your thoughts, because. Uh, you watch a lot of wrestling. You write about it each and every week, and uh, it's definitely a head scratcher. But Tony, thanks a lot for the phone call tonight. You guys go over to the KenReadyShow dot com, best blogger in the business. Tony blogs on Raw, SmackDown, Impact each and every week. Thanks a lot for the call, Tony. We'll talk to you Sunday. Oh yeah, but uh, Vicky evaluation. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> 
Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Well, you know, I, I did want to kind of hit this a little bit, and Tony kind of talked about it. Uh, you know, the Ryback thing. Um, yeah. You know, it was funny going into the match, and he was wrestling the Miz, and you know, again, not the biggest Miz fan, but I, I am okay with him being a mid card type guy going after the. Second tier championships, I think that's the spot for the Miz, um, and and he's popular. So I kind of when when they set up this match and it was going to be Ryback versus Miz, all I was thinking was, all right, this this is where they're gonna they're gonna rebuild Ryback a little bit. They're gonna you know they they've torn him down, they turned him heel. Character, I agree with Tony. Character has lost a lot of momentum. Uh, all right, now they're gonna start to build him up. So. He's gonna he's gonna beat the hell out of, out of Miz. You know, maybe Miz slaps on the figure four somehow, some strength move. Ryback's able to break out of that or something, and and Ryback gets gets the win against a former uh, WWE champion, and that that would be the start of trying to build him back up. Um, did not expect to see that ending. Jeez, uh, I don't know if I want to crap all over it right away but it just it makes you think like right now as we're talking about a lot of the things that are running on all cylinders uh it just makes you wonder do they have any idea where they're going with ryback you assume that jericho is is going to be put in a position to uh in some way help ryback and and ryback will go over on jericho but i i don't know like the character right now you know is gone from a dominating, dominating, just brute force, kind of, you know, lifting two guys at one time, getting the crowd into a fever pitch of chanting, feed me more to this amazing physical specimen, to to turning heel and, and losing a bit of momentum, and now just a, a big wuss that calls, Cancels basically quits in his own match. Uh, it's it's a head scratcher at best, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll be the first to admit it. Um, you know, back on our on our award show, I made a prediction that Ryback was going to be um, a world champion, and he would he would you know dethrone John Cena in some aspects. Um, I don't remember my exact quote, but I remember that John Cena was involved in there somehow. Um, and he had a run with Cena in the spring after WrestleMania, and, uh, you know, the heel turn didn't really make sense, but, you know, I had some optimism about it, and, uh, you know, going forward, and then, you know, the program just didn't really, you know, sit well with me. I just wasn't really interested in it. Um, and then, you know, you know, Tony mentioned the, the, the Jericho Ryback confrontation in Vicky's office. I mean, it kind of made sense to me. The two of them were arguing about why they're not, you know, involved in the Money in the Bank ladder matches, and then they start jabbing at each other. So Vicky makes a match. You know, let them let them kind of settle it, so to speak. So that that didn't bother me because uh, you know, then they have a few weeks to build on, you know, you know, a, a storyline heading into the pay per view. And then, of course, last night rolls around and. He's gonna wrestle Miz, and I figure he's gonna kill Miz, or at least he's gonna he's he's gonna be so angry that Jericho humiliated him on SmackDown the week prior that he'll get himself disqualified 
so that, you know, it doesn't hurt Miz because Miz has got an intercontinental title match with Curtis Axel at the pay-per-view. And Ryback's shown as, you know, a pissed-off, angry monster heading into his match with Jericho. But the stopping of the match, in one aspect, I can understand because he's a heel. And heels do things like that. But then again, you look at him, and he is a monster. He is a a physical specimen that is just so dominant, and like you said, dominating from the beginning when he first came in, and he's going to stop the match, and then they turn him into this, like, big crybaby. Like, the only, like you said, you know, you're not really totally crapping all over this just yet because we still got another week and a half of TV before the pay-per-view, but if this, let's put it this way, the way this saves it for me, at least as a viewer, is if Jericho just keeps humiliating him and humiliating him, you know, for the next few weeks, and then they get to the pay-per-view, and Ryback absolutely kills Jericho. Takes him out, writes him off of television. Jericho goes, you know, with Fozzie, plays in the band, and then he comes back for WrestleMania season. If he absolutely kills Jericho and and shows that, you better not mess with me ever again. You better not try and bully me and turn me into a big crybaby. Then I can understand why they're doing this. But if there's going to be no payoff to this, that he's just some big crybaby bully, then I don't like the direction they're going with Ryback, to be quite honest with you. And that's just my feelings on it. But we got a week and a half of TV. I'll give it till then and then the pay-per-view and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was just weird, you know, and I, I agree that I just felt like we're going to have something. Yeah, and a DQ would have worked, or I thought maybe it had, like, you know, Miz come down to the ring second and, you know, standing on the second rope kind of, you know, playing up to the crowd, and, and Ryback just comes up from behind him, you know, clothesline to the back. You know, Miz never has a chance to really get any offense going because he's blindsided. And then may, maybe you have a DQ or, you know, maybe you just have Ryback beat the holy hell out of him and Miz just never gets any offense going. So, yeah, so Miz doesn't lose a lot because he was, he was attacked from behind and, you know, and, and the commentators, could, oh, he's, he's seeing Jericho in, in Miz right now and just, you know, and at least build him back up. And, and it just, I don't know, it's just like when you start to play it out now, where exactly this character is, is going to go you know, it's just, it's, it's odd. I, I don't, I, you know, it, it's just weird. And, you know, when they turned him heel, the biggest problem with turning him heel is, is immediately put him in. And look, it, it got a, when they turned him and he, and he first, you know, went after Cena, it was a cool moment in that moment. However, setting him up in a, a program with John Cena, you knew there was no way that they were going to come out of, you know, Cena winning the match of his career and then dropping the title that quickly to a guy like Ryback. That was just not going to happen. If they're going to turn him heel, they probably should have him turn heel to someone, you know, a lesser guy, a mid Carter and, and have him go over as a heel to continue to build this monster and then maybe have a program with John Cena. Well, you know, there's all that speculation of what was supposed to happen after WrestleMania and, you know, was, uh, the Rock's injury, did he have a lot to do with it, uh, you know, and scrambling and changing things, and that's why they had to change things over. But, you know, even if he, I mean, that's just it. To me, if if they're going to go in this direction and they're going to keep him as, as like a whiny kind of, where he just, you know, 
there's certain guys like with certain builds. Work is like a whiny heel, and certain guys just you know shouldn't be in the way. Like I mean, it's just weird. Like Ryback is just kind of being this sniveling, you know, little heel, and and he's just he's he's built like a Greek god. Um, I would almost like want to see him beat Jericho in a squash if they really want to let Jericho. Uh, Jericho's leaving. And they have uh, you know future plans for Ryback, then have him just absolutely destroy Jericho. Um, but I don't necessarily anticipate that happening. So it's as much as I think it's going to be good for Ryback to have that notch on his belt. I anticipate him beating Jericho. But it's like, then where do you go after that? You just have this big whiner, or does he come out of that match saying he was uh, pretending? They put him back to a you know, wrestling jobbers and lifting up two guys at the same time to try and build him back up again. I mean, it's it's just in a weird position that, uh, you know, it, it almost feels like with the Ryback character that they've kind of painted themselves into a corner. They had a really good opportunity, and I was curious when they turned him heel where they would exactly go with him. And uh, it's, I don't know, like nothing right now for a guy who is just, I mean, beyond hot. Uh, it's amazing, and that's what's amazing about wrestling, especially when you're going week to week with a live program. Um, you know, he's gone from being the hottest new thing in wrestling to, you know, being a guy that you're wondering, you know, is he destined to be a, a mid-carder and he's going to just be bumped down the, the roster? It's uh, just interesting to, to look at where exactly you, you go now with, with Ryback. What do you guys think? Three four seven eight three eight. Nine eight one five. What direction do they go with Ryback? So many things going on uh, within the the wrestling world, especially the WWE. Things are hot and heavy, and I, I mentioned it briefly uh, before, but really, really interesting right now. For a first time in a long time, there's some interest and intrigue surrounding. Dare I say? Divas Championship. Mind games being played by both competitors, the champion AJ and Caitlin. You know, it's not anything that uh, you know, I'm gonna race over to TV to make sure I don't miss their segments. But they've made for entertaining TV and not something that I just would kind of fast forward through if I had it on the DVR. Definitely segments I'm willing to watch. Uh, I think they've made for some entertaining TV, Dave. Yeah, uh, you don't see a whole lot of you know, uh, serious storylines when it comes to the divas. Normally they're just kind of designed to, you know, throw girls together and they're, they have, they're a place on the card. They're what you would call like a, a popcorn match, you know, a souvenir match sort of thing. Um, but now they're getting some focus. Um, AJ's got a character that is extremely over with the audience and a very unpredictable personality. Um, and, she plays off well with Caitlin. They have a certain chemistry together, so it works with the two of them. The one thing I'm afraid of with this with this um, angle, not that's not anything to do with the two females in particular, but because they have this reality show with the other girls involved, that that's going to be put on the back burner after the Money in the Bank pay per view when this new diva show on E debuts with the Bellas and a few of the other girls. I can't even remember their names because they're insignificant right now, but. Um, I'm just afraid that that's going to take the forefront of the storylines itself on television because we saw a little bit of that last night with that with them really bad acting jobs by all of them. My God, um, they need to, they need to 
to have a sit down with good old Mark Henry about how to act because that was just brutal. And I understand that they were trying to introduce a couple of the new girls in and, you know, promote this show on E, the reality show that they're going to do in a, in a couple of weeks. But I'm, it was, it wasn't not the right place, the right time on Monday Night Raw, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I'm enjoying the AJ Caitlin stuff. And, uh, I think for, for this to go any further, I'm not saying Caitlin has to win the title, but Caitlin's eventually going to have to get some sort of revenge, whether it be whether it be some kind of DQ finish where she just beats the crap out of AJ and she can't take it anymore and, you know, she, she gets herself disqualified. Or, you know, because AJ's got Big E length and she enlists in somebody to, you know, to be her partner of sorts. Maybe we see a mixed tag match, you know, down the line in a pay-per-view between between those two girls with Langston, you know, and, and whoever she decides to choose. Um, you know, there's a, there's the big show has been out for a while um, with with an injury, some nagging injuries. He's been healing up, and there have been rumors that him and Big E Langston were supposed to work SummerSlam against each other. Maybe this is how you reintroduce Big Show, have him come back as a babyface and kind of back up Caitlyn, so to speak, against her her war with Big E Langston and AJ. Um, that would be kind of intriguing. You know, you got the two girls who play off well with each other, and, of course, the power and strength of, of this newcomer like Big E Langston up against, a, uh, a, you know, a formidable commodity as and as big as the big show, no pun intended. So uh, I, I'm, in, I'm enjoying the girls' work, and it's fresh, and you don't see a whole lot of it with the girls. So I, I, I'm liking it personally. And the other thing, too, is, like, and I've said this before, little things is what get, gets me in wrestling, but – for the most part, you see a lot of those girls and a lot of, you know, even the guys, they, like, they don't wear the belt anymore. They don't wear the championship belt. They either carry it or they drag the thing down to the ring or they got it on backwards. AJ was wearing it around her waist. I can't remember the last time I've seen a girl wear the title around her waist, you know, and actually wear it like a championship belt instead of just holding it up and carrying it around or having it over their shoulder. So I thought that was pretty cool that, like, not only is the storyline important and there's some intrigue in the Divas division, but just to me at least, just by her wearing the championship belt, it kind of made the belt even more important. I agree with you, and I think everything they work, I like the idea of bring, introducing Big Show in, in some way, and that would be a, an easy way to introduce uh, that match going forward. Uh, you know, Big E versus uh, Big Show. Um you know, I, I do. I'm enjoying basically everything that women are bringing to the table right now. Aside from that backstage vignette, I'm, I'm talking about AJ and Caitlyn, and it's, you know, there's a, a palpable hatred between the two of them, and and it's all surrounding uh, that championship belt. And uh, you had brought it up on a previous show, and the interesting thing, interesting thing, going on right now, and and we've talked about that. There's there's definitely a an influx of factions. Uh, right now in wrestling, factions are making a comeback. Uh, you know, the Wyatts are debuting. The Shield, uh, you know, is in there. We got now uh, Cesaro and and Swagger under the tutelage of Zeb Coulter over in TNA. You know, now you got the main event Mafia coming in as well as Ace and Eights. Uh, so factions are around, and a faction that really didn't have a name, uh, but was a you know a little faction in and of itself. We had AJ, Biggie Langston, and Ziggler, and, and interesting the way creative is handling this right now because they, they've made no definitive break. So creatively speaking, we haven't seen the, the definitive split in this faction. However, we have seen Ziggler coming out a lot on his own. 
and we see Big E and AJ coming out on their own, the two of them together. So it's interesting how one's kind of turning face, uh, one is remaining in, in the heel aspect of things, um, and they're coming out separately. You know, how long do they keep this up? Where do they go with this faction? Uh, how does this faction evolve? Do they keep them together? Because Ziggler is a face, but he's still adult. I mean, he's still got all the characteristics of, of heel Dolph. He's just, you know, he's he's wrestling heels now, so he's getting the pops, so he's he's a face. Uh, you know, maybe he's a, a smidge friendlier when it comes to the crowd, um, but it's interesting right now what they're doing with this promotion, with this faction, and, uh, you know, I'd be curious to see where exactly they're going to go with uh, these three moving forward, Dave. Oh, there'll be a split eventually. I mean, um, you know, AJ's AJ's persona over the past year has developed really well to the point where, you know, she could do well on her own, you know, even without a guy like Big E Langston. But I think Big E Langston adds, you know, uh, something to her persona, so to speak, being like this big, rough bodyguard of this chick. Or maybe they'll turn her into, you know, a boyfriend, you know, girlfriend combination kind of thing. I don't know. But... You'll eventually see a split between the two. I mean, you know, I said it, you know, a few shows ago where we could see, you know, a, you know, maybe Ziggler loses. You know, maybe AJ and Big E have some involvement in this finish, you know, now that Ricardo is out at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, and maybe the two of them cost, you know, Ziggler the, 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 the title or Ziggler comes up short and they decide that, you know, well, you're not a champion, you know, I'm a champion, and, you know, I can't be associated, I can't, I can't be dating somebody who's not the world champion, and that's how they do the split, and Big E maybe jumps Ziggler, or maybe Caitlin enlists in, in Ziggler to help fight the battle against AJ and Big E, and that's what you got set up for maybe SummerSlam between the two sides. I don't know, but, um, you know, you're right in the, in the aspect that Ziggler is, you know, he's a smidge friendly with the audience, but he's still kind of got the same tendencies. Like I said on last, or not last week's show, but the last time we were on the air, that, you know, Dolph Ziggler in some aspects is what Shawn Michaels was when he first became a babyface years back. You know, Shawn Michaels was cocky and he was arrogant, but, you know, his in-ring ability, you know, made made the people accept him in a positive role. And, you know, he also was somewhat of a sympathy, you know, there was some sympathy um, with that Shawn Michaels babyface turn. I, I remember because he was attacked by, he was powerbombed by Psycho Sid, and, you know, nobody liked Psycho Sid when he was a bad guy, so um, there's kind of some similarities there. Ziggler got a concussion from Del Rio, and he had a real-life concussion, and some of the fan, most of the fans know about it, and, you know, so there's some sympathy from, you know, the WWE universe, this audience now, so, um I kind of like where they're going with Ziggler, and I think he'll be much better. You know, he'll be much better on his own, um, in my opinion, um, moving forward. But as far as him getting the title, I don't know if that's going to happen right away. To be honest with you, as much as I'd like to see him have a run with the title, um, I think he'll probably be chasing Del Rio, you know, for another month or two. To be to, to be perfectly honest with you, and then when he gets the title, it'll be felt like a big deal, and. Uh, you know, maybe they'll save the turn for later when he has the belt, you know, with AJ and him split. Who knows? But I I, I like Dolph Ziggler. I'm a huge fan of his. I've said it before on the show a million times. Um, and they got big plans for him. So, if you're, if, you know, 
we'll see what happens. And this has been going on for a while, so I agree with you. I, I don't see Ziggler uh, winning the title. I, I would see him, you know, perhaps at SummerSlam or a big blow-off match at SummerSlam, but this has been going on for a while. I mean, throw uh, Swagger into the mix, and this whole, you know, Swagger was there, and uh, Ziggler and Del Rio. I mean, this is a long-standing rivalry that, uh, uh, to me, deserves a, a big stage to uh, really have that, that big blow-off match, so... Uh, would not surprise, be surprised at all if in some way, shape, or form Big E tries to help or AJ tries to help and winds up costing Ziggler uh, the matchup. And uh, that's how we see Del Rio retain. Something screwy is going to happen. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see these two go at it again uh, going into SummerSlam. Uh, 347-838-9815 is the number to call. Uh, we're talking wrestling, pro wrestling, the best in pro wrestling talk. And, you know, he, he got our nods. We gave a collective nod, and the guy comes out, cuts another promo last night. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Mark Henry at this moment, he's not promos. He aren't, these aren't wrestling promos. These are monologues. These, this is acting. And uh, we touched upon it before, but uh, this storyline has become all about him and his Last push, the end of his era, him going after the, the title that has eluded him his whole career. Kudos to uh, WWE and their, and their video department, killer uh, video package, a retrospective on Mark Henry's career. And, you know, obviously nothing's going to be as good as the retirement swerve. But uh, again, last night on Monday Night Raw, Mark Henry... Uh, Kicks some ass again, wows with another very good promo. And, uh, you know, right now it's, it's cool with John Cena taking a back seat. Let's, let's just see more of Mark Henry and what he's got to say about this. Uh, another great moment for Mark Henry last night. Yeah, it was a good promo. It, you know, solidified that, you know, he's serious about this run. And, you know, I mean, he should be. But I like the video package they did on him, um, you know, seeing him from the beginning and how far he'd come. Um, you know, it really gave some younger fans who had never seen him before um, you know, the opportunity to see what he was all about, you know, in the early stages of his WWE tenure. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, heading into, you know, the, the, the master John Cena, you know, I like the intensity and the fact that he is focused more than ever to to gain the title that has eluded him his entire career, you know. And, and that one point where he looked in the camera and he just said, I'm going to beat your ass, you know, that just – cemented for me that you know this is going to be a this is going to be a good fight between the two there's a big feel to it and um you know this this like you said this story is all about mark henry um you know i thought it was a good promo like you said nothing will ever compare to what he did two weeks ago with that retirement hoax but it um it really pushed it forward that this is that he means business and you know he's putting john cena and everybody else on notice that you know he's not going to stop till he gets that title um, you know, one thing I also liked about, you know, what he did was when he handed the belt to Cena, he kind of dropped it, but then he, like, faked that he was going to attack him. And then he saw some vulnerability in John Cena, which you don't see a whole lot of because, you know, John Cena has always been known to, you know, everyone on the Internet, he kicks out of every move. And, you know, he's, he, they don't, they don't, you know, he didn't sell enough for the, what Ryback did to him at that last man standing match a few months ago. But, you know, you saw some vulnerability with John Cena where, like, oh, you know, when when Henry kind of moved forward towards him that, you know, this is a serious threat and he needs to take this seriously. And, 
that, that I think that helped with the audience to give some sympathy towards John Cena that, you know, he's in some real danger of losing this title. You know, we talked about it before. Every great good guy needs a great sense of loss in order for an audience to get emotionally invested in him and want to see him make a comeback and, you know, get his title back or get his revenge or what have you. So I thought that was pretty cool how they um, – and, and also the look on Mark Henry's face, too, where it was one of those where I can get you at any time I want, but I'm going to do it when I want to kind of thing, you know. Um, really been good buildup for the storyline. Not a whole lot of interaction between the two, especially since the retirement hoax a couple of weeks ago. So we'll probably see some interaction between the two of them next week. And then, of course, we have the pay-per-view. So I'm liking it a lot. And like I said, this is the most intriguing match on the card for me personally um, because you really don't know what's going to happen. And the atmosphere in Philadelphia is going to be good. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the, the end of Raw because I thought that was really interesting the way they played it. And I, I like the way everyone played it. I mean, there was a sense of vulnerability on, on John Cena. And the fact of the matter that, you know, look, I mean, John Cena was deceived. He was, he was uh, you know, there to uh, help celebrate a moment. The, the end of, of someone's career was, was there to pay homage. Uh, gave, gave his title belt uh, to this man retiring uh, for one last, you know, last moment for him to ra- rise up, uh, raise up that title and hold it aloft. And, uh, you know, and then he, he's a victim of the world's strongest slam. Um, and you would think in that moment in, in character, you know, that the character John Cena, the minute, the millisecond that the man who did that to him is in the ring, I oh, just want to beat the hell out of him. You lied to me. You deceived me. And, and that, that caution that John Cena showed that, uh, reluctance to engage Mark Henry physically. And then, when Mark Henry took that quick step towards him and Cena backed up, and then Mark Henry just laughed at him. I mean, laughed at him just with, with just the the utmost of, of disdain and irreverence on just, you know, almost like there's no way you can beat me. Um, I, I thought it was really well played out by both guys. Uh, uh, there is that sense of vulnerability in John Cena that, you know, I mean, the – IWC, and you see it all over the place, so here's Super Cena again. And that's been one of the major criticisms of John Cena. And I and I think at, at times it, it's been rightful uh, as far as how he's been booked. Um, but again, we we here, we don't fault John Cena. We fault creative as far as uh, not using him in the proper manner. Uh, I like the way the both, both those guys played that moment at the end of the show. Um, I'm really curious, and I agree with you, I think this match has the most intrigue going into the card it's a tough match to predict and when you're you've been watching wrestling for you know when you when you start counting the length of time you've been a wrestling fan in terms of decades it, it's tough to keep you on your toes and this is something that you know is surprising when uh he slammed john cena and now you have a match where you know it's a it's a tough prediction going into it and uh just the way they're playing it out and the way they're pl- John Cena's playing it and that air of vulnerability that John Cena has right now. I, I kind of like everything going on. And Mark Henry is just brilliant. And Mark Henry, you know, we talk a lot on this show about, you know, faces and heels and performers. And there's been a reluctance. I mean, wrestling has changed over the years. And uh, especially, 
you know, admitting it's it's sports entertainment, admitting that it's scripted. Uh, one of the major changes in wrestling is the the heel being a true heel. And, uh, you know, you go back in the day, you know, growing up, you know, heels were true heels. I mean, heels were booed. Heels were not liked. You hated Roddy Piper. Um, you know, talking to DiBiase, I actually said to him, I hated you. I mean, I just, I, I just, you know, you couldn't cheer, you could not cheer for him. You know, that was the thing with heels. As, as time moved on, you know, you have a lot of heels that are, are kind of cool. They're heels, but they're kind of cool. So they, you know, there's, there's a spattering of cheers, um, you know, and that's, that's kind of been the, a lot of heels in, in recent memory kind of go that route of kind of being a heel, but being cool. Uh, there are guys that do the true heel thing. And, uh, you know, Bully Ray and TNA is, is, to me, one of them. And uh, Mark Henry's another guy that is really, he's a true heel. And it is interesting because I, I do feel like there's a lot of fans that maybe got used to booing John Cena, but they can't necessarily bring themselves to cheer for Mark Henry. And I think that's something that's that's good for John Cena, that it's it's a real... You know, this is a match that, as much as there's a lot of intrigue and there's a lot of doubt as far as the outcome goes, um, this is black and white here. This is, you know, you got a good guy, bad guy. This is, this is old school. You know, the the face of the company versus the dominant heel of the company. I mean, this is something that it, it's good and evil, black and white, good guy versus bad guy. All those, all those cliches you want to throw into the mix. Uh, this is what they're setting up. I'm real curious to see uh, what they're going to do over the, the course of the, the next couple shows. Do we see a, a surprise on SmackDown from any one of them? Uh, what happens next week on Monday Night Raw? But uh, a lot of intrigue going forward in this match. And, uh, you know, right now, I mean, Mark Henry is, is he's just gold. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see him get a run with that WWE championship. So we'll see what happens. And as always, we do our pay-per-view pregame so we'll be discussing that and more on the night of money in the bank but the pay-per-view is definitely shaping up and you know what this week was an interesting week in wrestling because there was there was one record set this week uh on tv outside of raw or impact or smackdown a record set on abc channel seven the lowest the lowest rated episode in the history of Celebrity Wife Swap. But entertaining stuff. But I don't know. I don't know if the wrestling fans didn't turn out or way too many other people tuned it off. But we had uh, Roddy Piper and Ric Flair in, in Celebrity Wife Swap. Uh, I thought there was some funny stuff. It was interesting. It was interesting to see, you know, both these guys and what their home lives are like. And, and Slick Rick is... is Going to be Slick Rick until the day he goes on. But, uh, you know, it was interesting to watch how, how different they are in their home lives, what Roddy Piper is like at home. Uh, funny stuff, interesting stuff. I thought it was it was good TV. What did you think of that, Dave? I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. It was nothing that I didn't know personally. But, um, you know, there were some interesting aspects, uh, you know, uh, with Flair. You know, that for instance... You know, it's been heavily rumored that the guy has a hard time paying bar tabs, you know, and with all due respect to Ric Flair, you know, 
that's that's just a rumor. But you know, the, I just found it funny that they talked about how like Flair likes to go out and spend a lot of money, and um, you know, uh, doesn't really um, save any kind of money whatsoever. I thought that was interesting, um, you know, because it's been highly publicized that he has had some issues with his with uh, finances over the years, um, and the home life that he apparently has with um, his girlfriend now who has a few children and it doesn't, they don't really spend enough time together. And then, you know, Piper being, you know, the family man, I mean, it made for, you know, it made for good television. Um, I can't imagine all of it being real. Like I, I, I couldn't imagine, first of all, Ric Flair going into the grocery store with a baseball cap on sunglasses and like a fake mustache. This mustache like it looked like a kindergartner made it like with like paper and crayon. And he like put this thing on, walk around like, first of all, he's Ric Flair. You're gonna notice him with the blonde hair and that ridiculous mustache. Like I just, you gotta think some of that stuff was you know scripted and put on by the producers. Like okay, you're gonna go do this and we're gonna have you go do that and sort of thing. Like, but overall it was entertaining and I enjoyed it and. uh you know, that's that's about it. Yeah, I thought it was fun stuff. I mean, it, it's interesting. I, I'm 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 curious how it like set the record for lowest rated. Uh, have you ever watched the show before? I watched it a couple of times. Um, I, I watched like the regular ones that they had with just normal people, and uh, and I think Mick Foley was on one of them too. With like, I mean, yeah, he was on it. Him and his wife swapped with. Um, Antonio Sabato Jr., I believe, and his wife. Um, and if any of you know who Antonio Sabato Jr. is, he's an actor. He's a pretty good-looking guy, physically fit. And then, of course, there's Mick Foley, and we all know what Mick Foley looks like. But I've seen some of them. Some of them are interesting. They always get the polar opposites. That's what makes it entertaining. You're not going to find two families that are very similar. They're going to give you polar opposites because it makes for friction and a little bit of conflict and entertaining television and that's what that's what they did with this episode with Piper and Flair, and you know that's what they pretty much do with all their other episodes. I've seen it a couple times over the past few years. Interesting stuff. I've never watched before. Um, it was interesting. I mean, I guess it was an interesting concept. I always like seeing you know wrestlers out of uh, out of their element as far as uh, being in the ring. So. I, yeah, you know, it was fun stuff. Yeah, the mustache was horrible. That mustache was like, I mean, if you didn't know. If you were in the store and didn't realize it was Ric Flair, you'd still be looking over and saying, "Who the hell is that guy with the fake mustache on?" I mean that that was that was horrific. But I don't know, fun stuff. I'm curious if anyone else actually wound up catching it. But uh, who knows? Definitely fun stuff. But uh, you know, we got an interesting like few weeks now setting up this big Money in the Bank pay per view. Uh, we got SmackDown, two SmackDowns in a Raw leading up to a. Uh, this pay-per-view, some intriguing stuff. Uh, Money in the Bank match. We got uh, kind of the up-and-comers uh, Money in the Bank match. And we have the All-Stars Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, I'm curious, Dave, as they set this up, and we're going to go more in-depth when we do our pregame, but when you look at the way they've set up these two matches, do you like the dichotomy? Do you like the difference of, of going two extremes as far as up-and-comers and, -comers and uh, All-Stars? I do actually. Um, you know, when when they first announced the, the the WWE Championship Money in the Bank match, you know, it was all guys who have either held the world title or the WWE title. I thought to myself, 
it'd be nice to see a mixture of a couple of young guys in there. But then when they then when they did the dichotomy of all baby faces and all heels on you know each side for the ladder match, I thought, well, this has never really been done before. This is actually kind of cool. And to me, like the, the the world title Money in the Bank ladder match is designed to get a guy to the next level. The WWE Championship Money in the Bank ladder match is designed to facilitate a storyline, so to speak. So I think we'll see whoever wins that. You know, my prediction is that whoever wins the WWE Championship Money in the Bank is probably going to cash in first, and they probably won't be as successful. Um, whereas the World Championship Money in the Bank, I think whoever wins that, that like I said, it's designed to take a guy to the next level and they'll probably win the title at some point. They'll probably hold on to the briefcase for a little while, but win at some point. So, but I enjoy it. I think it's pretty cool. All heels in one match, all baby faces in another. Something that, to my knowledge, I haven't seen before in a kind of match like that. So, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing both of those matches, but more so the world championship one because of the young guys that are in it. And I think that one's going to potentially steal the show. Yeah, a lot. Guys that, you know, when you look at guys like Cody Rhodes and Sandow, guys that, uh, you know, we've been looking for for that big push uh, for, for one or both of them. Uh, uh, talk, I mean, we've talked a lot about Cody Rhodes and uh, perhaps not being used effectively. Uh, you know, a guy who's got a tremendous amount of talent, great lineage. Um, Sandow, another guy, a lot of talent. Uh, you know, perhaps that... Uh, uh, Sheamus was kind of a testing ground to see if this guy could uh, go with a main event type. Uh, who knows? But I am excited about that match. I think that could be a very, very entertaining match. And looking forward to seeing how things evolve moving forward going into uh, that pay-per-view. Guys, it's great to be back. You know, to a little vacation, you need a little sabbatical, but it's great to be back talking Pro Wrestling with all you guys. We'll be back at a normally scheduled time this Sunday, 6 to 8 p.m. Um, but it's a lot of fun talking wrestling with you guys. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Fun show tonight, Dave. Yeah, it's great to be back and uh, talking wrestling. I'm looking forward to, you know, an extra half hour on Sunday to talk even more wrestling. So, uh, yeah, the summer, summer's heating up in wrestling, and there's a lot to talk about. So I'm ready for it. Heck yeah. For Dave, this is Ken. Thanks for tuning in. Take care, everybody.